When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey everybody, welcome back to America's Game. I am your host, Eric Vanek. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Vanek NFL. And as always, joined by my co-host, Scott Connor. Scott, what's going on, man? It's week eight. It's week eight. More shit's happening from last week. More injuries. More adjustments. Market mm-hmm. changes. It's just another week. We talk about it every week on the intro, the grind. And we're officially halfway through the season at this point. Mm. And uh, I love it and hate it at the same time. So I'll just leave it at that. And uh, we'll have an interesting discussion, I think, with uh, some market debates uh, and some talks about some trade strategies and whatnot today. So glad to be back. Episode 16. Yeah, I'm glad to be back. And, you know, I posted it on Twitter last week or, well, pretty much like on Monday, man, like. I think all the injuries, especially like after like the Brees Hall stuff this week, like it really like mentally affected me a little bit, to be honest, man. Just all these injuries are piling up. It's like if you have a running back, you're just screwed. And it that just reinforces me the I don't care about running back strategy anymore. And I think I'm just I'm just leaning that way more often, more more often than not. I'm just I'm just going to stockpile cheap running backs and I'll just start the ones from there. I'm just not, I'm not dealing with these injuries anymore, man. That's just been so rough the last couple years. I mean, acres and Dobbins, we were robbed of their primes. Brees Hall, we're going to be robbed of his prime. Javante Williams, we're going to be robbed of his prime. And it's like, you know, Saquon Barkley, we were pretty much robbed of his prime too. It's just going to keep going on and on and on. I just named off like six or seven of the top running backs that have come into this league in the last four or five years. And we're just getting robbed of their primes, basically. It sucks. I don't know. Do you feel the same? I do. I mean, obviously, you don't want anybody to get injured. In an ideal world, you play out the season. There's no injuries. It's whoever picked the best players, whoever built the rest, most best rosters wins. But I think we have to reframe this and say that we know injuries are going to happen. The players that play the most are likely to get injured the most. Running backs, like 
the guys you mentioned are probably in a lot of cases going to be touching the ball the most. They're going to take the most hits. Like you, you can't necessarily say this is that different because it's not just this year. It's been the last couple years. Uh, and I do think it probably has a little bit something to do with, you know, things are different. Players are bigger, faster, and stronger now. Players are built a little differently than they used to be. And I think it just really reinforces for me, it's not just the running backs. It's any injury can happen at any time. And A, you're going to have to deal with it. There's no way around it. B, we play in a dynasty game now that's so reactive that, you know, there is going to be a changing market immediately when there's an injury. You know, we'll talk about the chase injury. It's going to be interesting to see if he's out for at least a month, does it impact his dynasty value? Listen, most people would go, no, he's still like the wide receiver one or wide receiver two. But I think there becomes kind of an an availability issue with him where he's probably a little more available in some leagues now. If you're willing to pay the right price, the person may explore trading him. And that's because that's the nature of how our current dynasty game is. It's immediate. It's right now. If he's going to be out for five of my fantasy games, there's going to be people that are going to sell them at a 20% less or a 10% less price than they would have. But more importantly, they're going to be willing to sell him, which in a lot of other cases, they would have been like, yeah, I'm just not selling them. So I think that's a big factor. But I think it also speaks to why we play in a portfolio. That's the first thing. Second thing is why you build your team around a structure to absorb this kind of stuff. Does it hurt if you have Chase and you lose him for six games? Yeah, that hurts. It doesn't hurt as much if you've structured your team around assuming you're going to have some injuries, assuming you're going to have some injuries at not only the running back positions, but assuming you're going to have some injuries at the receiver positions, like the the threshold receivers, right? Like there's a reason if you can start five, you want to have nine of them, not five of them. If you have only five of them and you have a bunch of high end running backs, you might've lost some running backs and you lost a couple of receivers. Then what? You're done. You're done. So, I mean, really, you kind of got to look at the fragility of how you build your roster and where you want to take those gambles. I think we're both much more comfortable taking gambles at quarterback and tight end. And it's almost like, you know, with the tight ends, if you have an elite tight end and he were to get hurt, guess what? Where do you end up? You're right back and streaming with everybody else, right? It sucks, but that doesn't cripple you. You just lose your biggest advantage, but it doesn't cripple you. Now, I would agree if you only have two elite quarterbacks and one of them gets hurt, you know, you lose Lamar or Kyler or Dak or something like that, that hurts you. There might not be a way to recover from that. But other than that, like you you shouldn't have one or two running back injuries or a wide receiver injury that cripples your team. Otherwise, I would argue you're probably not constructed right. Now, if you lose four of them, okay, that's different. If you had Brees, Javante, Jamar Chase, like, okay. What are you going to do, right? That's why you play a portfolio of 20 teams and not one. But other than that, I mean, it's just, you're just rolling on. The injuries are only going to get more severe as we get, you know, towards the end of the year. You know, there's going to be players that are dealing with injuries and they go, I'm just not going to come back. We see that every year too, right? Why bring a player back if the team's out of it? You know, why bring a guy like Hollywood Brown back? Why bring a guy like Mike Williams back if the team's out of it? So you're almost looking at some other factors here that have nothing to do with the timeline of the injury recovery either. So I don't think this is going to go away, man. It's depressing. It sucks. It kind of makes uh, a little bit 
less joy watching football, knowing it's like as the season goes on, more and more of these good players just keep dropping and dropping and dropping. But, you know, you kind of just got to you gotta have faith in how you build your rosters. You know what I mean? And if it doesn't work out on one or two teams or four teams or six teams, then whatever. But if, if one injury is crippling you, you didn't have a team that deserved to win in the first place. I'll just say that. So back to you. I know that was a nice little uh, diatribe, like a five-minute uh, filibuster on that. But that's my thoughts. Like you should, one injury should not cripple you. So. Right. No, I agree with that totally. It definitely shouldn't cripple your team just with that one injury. I think with the wide receiver injuries, though, I can sustain those more because there's so many more wide receivers to get. They're more plentiful. I can go to a uh, a team that's out of it, and they probably have a receiver or two they don't mind shedding from their roster, and I could pick up a Donovan Peoples-Jones for a third-round pick or something like that. You know, it, it's just easier just to acquire those wide receivers when it at running back, you know, you got your – you know, quote unquote workhorses at the top there. And one of those guys goes down, man. It's, it's hard to replace those guys. I mean, you can, that's why we like having so many of these running backs on our rosters. We, you know, me and Scott probably have at any time on most of our teams, like 10 to 12 different running backs. We got a couple on the taxi squads, stuff like that. You know, we're stashing these guys and just kind of hoping for the best. So that's kind of where I'm at with it, man. It's just, it's hard to replace those running backs, especially like I said with Brees and now Jav- and Javante as well. You know, even these teams are having a hard time replacing these guys. They brought in the Broncos, brought in two new, actually three new guys if you count of Zigbo, uh, to replace Javante basically. So all these teams are replacing guys. You know, the Jets went and made a trade for James Robinson. That's another one we can talk about too. Um, you know, they, they went out and acquired him. They brought up Zonovan Knight off of their practice squad. They cut te- uh, or the, the 49ers cut Tevin Coleman after they got McCaffrey. So that's another guy that's available. That's probably going to get picked up somewhere at some point. So, yeah, there's just there's plenty of running backs. And I think, you know, the the way of just one running back just completely dominating everything is just going the way of the dinosaur, basically, like these. Right now, you know, Saquon Barkley, Najee Harris, you know, um, I'm trying to think of any others off the top of my head, but mostly those guys like are the entire offense of their teams, pretty much uh, running back wise. It was McCaffrey, just, honestly. It was McCaffrey. Yeah, it was McCaffrey up too. He was another one. Um, but those are just all going the way of the dinosaur. I think every single team is going to have two or three guys. Um, going forward, I think that's what's pretty much what we're we're getting to. There's still some teams that, like I just mentioned, that have only just one really solid guy. But I think with the amount of talent coming into the league, the amount of running back talent that is in the league, I think we're going to eventually get to that point to where you know there's two or three running backs on every single team, and there's not going to be one guy just eating all the all the carries like. Bijan Robinson's going to go somewhere next year, you know, where whatever team it is, he's going to probably have a decent backup. It's not going to be just the whole 90% snap share to Bijan Robinson show. I'd love to see that, but in a way I don't want to see that either because he's probably going to get hurt doing that and we're going to lose his prime of his career. You know, we already got Rob, you know, Saquon Barkley is the closest thing to Bijan Robinson 
that's come into the league within the last five years. And we already were robbed of his prime. I don't want to see that happen to Bijan. So let's just well, and that's we the, to get used to. That's the misnomer about running backs. You want to chase volume up to a certain extent. And then it becomes a point where there's probably diminishing returns on the volume if the player isn't good enough, right? Mm-hmm. So like you want enough volume. Let's just call it, I don't know, 12 or more touches a game to be viable in terms of being able to hit that like replacement level production that you're looking for. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you can tell me a guy's going to get 12 to 15 touches and maybe he's going to get 25% of his touches in the form of targets, I'll take that. That's what you're looking for, for the minimum, anything less than that. I'm sitting there going like, I'm not sure I can play this guy. But once you get over a certain number, I think once you're over, 22 23 opportunities or more more importantly touches a game it starts to get to the point where the player is either extremely good and they're riding that player and that's certain probably when you get into danger territory there's very few players in the league i mean ray's talked about this a lot we've talked about this in the discord a ton there's very few players in the league where you can just go 20 touches, 20 touches, 20 touches, 20 touches, every game, every game, every game, you know, and somehow they manage to not get hurt. They might get banged up, but it takes a lot to take them actually out of the game, barring it's not like a fluke injury, like a broken ankle or something like that, you know? So, like, you don't want that. Like, you wanted a guy like Najee Harris last year. Until now, they take his volume away and you realize he's not any good. He's a plotter. He's Deontay Foreman. Like, literally, they're the same player. And people are going to go, no, no way. But, I mean, if you look at his efficiency numbers per touch for his career, it's terrible. And then you take away his pass volume, because I think we would agree Najee Harris is an adequate receiver, but he's not the guy you're out there going, man, we need to build the passing game around this guy. It's more of, well, shit, we don't have anywhere else to throw to. Let's dump it to him. There's a lot of guys capable of that. That's how we saw Carlos Hyde have a 60-catch season. Leonard Fournette have a 70-catch season. Like, they're not horrible, but they're clearly not a passing weapon. So you have to decipher between the two. So when you see the profile like Najee, and I'm not picking on Najee necessarily, but we elevated the guy to RB2 in Dynasty under the fallacy that all he was going to do is just get a shit ton of touches until he didn't. And that just goes right back to the idea of, do you believe players earn their touches or are they given their touches? And I would say, generally, we treat all players as they earn their touches. Maybe in the short term, they'll be given their touches out of necessity. Like you'll see an average player get a ton of targets, maybe for like a season or a half a season because they have to. Same with a running back. But everything's going to level off at some point. So I think we have to approach the running back position, not necessarily in a different way, because we've been looking at guys that are getting targets forever, right? Like as long as you're getting passing work, we don't necessarily care how much rushing work you're getting. But now you're having to lean into the fact that the market is going to be all looking for the same thing. The market is going to naturally gravitate towards guys that are just pass catchers because very few guys are going to be 20 carries a game. Like, that's just not going to exist anymore. We're going to get to a point in the league where those guys really aren't around. So what does that mean for the future of the running back position? I think you're going to have to just see more 
you know, more McCaffrey's, more Alvin Kamara's, more Aaron Jones's, more Austin Eckler's. And I think we also know that there's times where there's those types of players, but are those guys a product of maybe the system that they were in or the scheme that they were in or the offense they were in or the quarterback that they're with? You know, I think that's a question we haven't really figured out yet. So probably more to come on this topic, but you know, you look at somebody like Jameer Gibbs coming in and you go, Jameer Gibbs should be Austin Eckler, right? I've heard that comparison a ton. What if he goes to the Ravens and they throw to the running backs at a 4% clip for Lamar Jackson's career? You, you just have to fade. You just simply fade him, right? Like, wouldn't you yeah. agree? If a guy like, if a pass catcher from next year's class goes to Baltimore or Philly, you just fade him? Yeah, I agree. And it's so funny because, like, you always hear about, oh, man, I want these um, these running backs with the running quarterbacks. They just they open it up for them so much. But it doesn't happen with the Ravens. Like, Well, here's what I would say. You probably want the running back on the Ravens. You wanted J.K. Dobbins on the Ravens. Mm-hmm. To what extent, though? I talked about this on Mannequin Chill back in 2020 that J.K. Dobbins had no ceiling with the Ravens. His only ceiling was he has six yards per carry, and he's basically a better version of Nick Chubb. That's the only way he's an RB1. And people go, oh, no, Lamar's going to open up those running lanes. You know, Dobbins can have 1,500 yards and 15 touchdowns and six yards per carry. And I'm like, I agree. All of that's possible. I'm not betting on that. I'm not betting on that in today's NFL. I'm not betting on a guy that's going to get 40 targets at most. And all I need is touchdowns and yards. That's that's not what I'm going to bet on. And I think you probably agree with that. Mm. You have to be damn good to sustain not just a season, but like a career in that type of offense. So when you see that, yeah, I want the Ravens running back. But you know what Ravens running back I want? I want Kenyon Drake when he's starting for a game. Because he's not worth anything, but I might be able to get 90 yards and a touchdown out of him because it's a good offense. I don't want an elite running back going there and paying two plus first for him so he can score 16 points per game. That's where the flaw is. And I think that that just speaks to your strategy, but it also speaks to what what does it really take to be a difference-making running back? And I think we kind of know, we've talked about that a lot. At the same time, I think it's going to become so exceedingly rare that you still kind of want to find spots to chase it too, right? Because if you get one, if you have a season like Eckler this year or Barkley this year, like that's crushing people because there's nobody else in the league that has that. But it's just so hard to forecast. It's so hard to go, I know that's Bijan Robinson from day one. Thus, I'm going to go pay three first to get him. Because now you've taken on all the risk, and he better damn well be that. If he gets hurt or he goes to the wrong spot or gets with the right coach that likes to play another guy just a little bit too much or a running quarterback that takes just enough of the work or a team like the Bills that just passes it 78% of the time. like There's all these factors that make you go, I'm not paying for it until I see it. But then even then, it makes me wonder, like, do I want to pay for it when it's happening? Like, have you ever seen a running back on the market in the last two or three years where you go, I'm willing to go pay three first for him, even when they're smashing? Yeah, I mean, the closest would have been like Taylor last year because he was just absolutely crushing it and he's still young. But that's probably about it. 
And but I would, ever, I personally wouldn't pay for that. But I, I know you wouldn't. But it yeah. feels like the market is churning to the point where nobody really would do that. Like literally, if you could have every share of Bijan next year, we talked about this in the Discord too, and I know we're kind of going on and on and on, but I think this is a good discussion. You could have every share of Bijan Robinson across every league that you have next year. And you can say the price is three firsts. I think that'll be fair, right? People will probably yep. think it's somewhere around three firsts. Yep. How many leagues are you in? Uh, 35, I think. Okay, so out of your 35 leagues, knowing just in general the type of players you play with, best ball, non-best ball, point per carry, whatever. Out of your 35 leagues, how many people in those leagues can you envision that would truly send you three plus firsts to get your Bijan? I mean, a lot of our leagues are with your members or Ray's members, so probably not a whole lot there, but there's a few where I'm not in leagues with those kinds of guys. I think, like, the hype on Bijan is going to be so crazy, especially when he tests at the Combine and puts up something ridiculous. I think there's definitely a world where people are just going to be like, oh, this guy's going to be the next big thing, and they'll be willing to just give you three first. And I think if somebody's willing to do it, you just, you send them away. Here you go. I think, that, I think we, have, have, to, we have to decipher what three first means. It doesn't mean a 23, a 24 and a 25 first. Yeah. It also doesn't mean a 24 first and two blah players that they may view valued as a first, but you know, you could probably argue that a guy like Chris Godwin is worth a first Terry McLaurin's worth the first, DJ Moore's worth the first. But if you send me your 24 first, DJ Moore and Terry McLaurin, that's not three firsts. You know what I mean? I'm talking like truly three flexible firsts that are not four years away to where I now have three real valued first round picks. I would want want a 23, a 24, and uh, one of those players like DJ Moore, McLaurin or something. But that's what I'm saying is I think a lot of people will go, oh, it's three plus first. But I I just don't see that type of offer getting made because think about the trade market. If I ask you what what is a player after the chase injury, Eric, what is a player like T. Higgins worth right now? First plus. Okay, but the guy that has him, he says he's worth two firsts. So he thinks he can send you T. Higgins and a 24 first for Bijan. And you're sitting there going like, nah that's worth about two and a half first. All right. Right. But he's going to go, no, that's three first, man. Look at, look at KTC that T Higgins is worth two first. So there's still a disconnect. I think my point is we're haggling over these, these nuances. The point is I'm, I'm expecting very few legitimate unload the clip offers for B. John Robinson. Mm-hmm. It might be, I'm a, it's a strong offer. It's one you consider if you're scared of running backs, but it's not just like unload the clip. Boom. I need Bijan. I need Bijan because he's the next Ladanian Tomlinson. I just don't see most dynasty players viewing it that way. And the Brees Hall injury just cascaded that even more, mm-hmm. more quickly. People are going to go, dude, if Brees Hall can get knocked out this early in his career, I, I, I can't afford to do that type of deal. Just understanding. I want Bijan bad, but I can't afford to make that kind of risk given how volatile things are. Mm-hmm. So it just feels I, like the, the, the analyst podcast price on Bijan, even the KTC price 
is just going to be unrealistic in terms of what you see in leagues. It's the same as, you know, what's the price on just on Justin Herbert or Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen? No, it's three and a half, four first. You know, most leagues they're just not for sale. So there, there really isn't a price. You know what I mean? Right. And I think that's what it's going to be like with Bijan. The guy that has him is going to want X. The buying market is going to be at Y. They're very rarely going to come together, but we'll see. It makes sense. So I agree. Uh, we kind of got off on the little tangent there about running backs, but before we get into the bulk of the show, let's just go over real quick those uh, couple trades that have happened in the NFL. So we'll do we'll do James Robinson first. He got traded for basically a draft pick. Do you think I, I kind of think Robinson's kind of toast? Like I think he's just a plotter. I think he lost a, a lot of his athleticism that he even did have uh, with the Achilles injury. So I personally think Michael Carter is going to be the way more valuable fantasy back going forward this year and, and in the future. So I'm still valuing Michael Carter way above James Robinson. I think it, it hurts James or uh, Michael Carter like a tiny bit, but pass catching wise, Michael Carter is going to be the guy. And I think he's still going to be, you know, the leading ball carrier every single week. I think James Robinson, just like a, you know, a guy that comes in, maybe has a series or two, nothing more than that. Do you, do you agree with that? Yeah. I equated this on the, I did a show with uh, Jax Falcone on the Dino, Dino game theory show on, on undrafted. And, uh, they said this kind of feels like the Cam Akers, Sony Michelle situation from last year when Cam went down, they brought in Sony and it was him and Daryl Henderson's backfield. And like they both had some value, but like even Sony Michelle was probably better like in the receiving game than what they're gonna give to James Robinson. And Sony Michelle's kind of the equivalent of the the guy that you know is pretty good, but probably was most likely zapped to a degree when he went to the Rams and it feels like the kind of the same thing, right? Like they traded for Sony Michelle before the season and here you go. Like he's going to have a role right away, but it feels like the same thing. And I also think that offense last year for the Rams was better than what you were going to get from the Jets. So it just feels like the same thing. And and you look back and you go, man, Sony Michelle and Daryl Henderson last year, if you would have just sold during those periods where they were usable, that, that, those were wins, you know what I mean? So I think this is kind of the same thing. I'd rather have Michael Carter for sure, but I, I would also be like, if anyone's going to buy either of these guys, I'm okay doing it. It's not necessarily because I think Brees Hall is going to come back and be ready to go like week one of next year. It just feels like this is the a level down of what you were talking about with like high-end running backs. When these backups have jobs or when they get pushed into roles where they're going to be temporary kind of like long-term role players, like Carter's going to start the rest of the year. James Robinson's probably going to get a lot of work the rest of the year. But I, I think you just generally sell those guys, even if it's for the seconds you sell those guys and, and still pivot downwards and try to find the same production for thirds. Like we do like the spot starts. Cause a lot of your teams probably weren't relying on, Michael Carter or James Robinson for more than a couple weeks. Now you're looking at maybe getting like eight, nine weeks from those guys. So I think you sell high, you collect the seconds, especially next year's class, but even 24, uh, you try to backfill the production. So you've gotten basically a break. If you have Michael Carter, like he's a guy you can sell. Now you can probably get a second for him. You might be able to get a second for James Robinson. 
you couldn't have been before. Before, they hadn't crossed that barrier to where they were worth more on your roster for the way you were built than what you could sell them for. Now that's switched. So now you have to be willing to sell them even on your depleted running back teams because you have confidence in the process that you can still backfill those rosters with other running backs. Like maybe you get a couple weeks out of Michael Carter, then you sell them. So that's kind of how I would play it. I think these guys automatically become sells when the starter goes down. Cause a lot of times it just ends up being a blah backfield that they rotate, you know, multiple guys and they could rotate Zonovan Knight and Ty Johnson. in. they might just use three guys. They did that last year when Michael Carter got hurt. Remember? Right. They had yep. Kevin Coleman, Ty Johnson. And who was the other dude? The, uh, the guy they had for like six weeks. I forget his name. Uh, Austin Walter. Austin Walter. Yeah. But they were, there were games where they were using three backs. Yep. So like there, it really wasn't a backfield you wanted. You could have rostered all those guys, but you're like, yeah, they just kind of seeded some of the work and gave it to three guys. How do we know they don't do that? Honestly, Honestly they yeah. don't use Ty Johnson in, in the receiving game and Michael Carter right. and James Robinson just like split the early down work. I don't right. know. Honestly, I wish they wouldn't have traded for James Robinson and just let Zonovan Knight take that job. I think he would have been better, honestly. And well, I mean, we'll see. He'll get a and, shot. He will one, get a shot. And one thing you brought up to me um, the other day, and it looks like it could come to fruition, that they'll just pick up Tevin Coleman again since he just got cut. I'm, I'm, guessing there's a, I'm guessing there's a line of communication where it's like, Tevin, you still want to play football? Okay, we got a practice squad spot now because Zonovan Knight's on the roster. You want to join? Sure. You're an injury away from being activated. You know, what, what does he have to lose? If he still wants to play, why not? Like, they right. cut him in the preseason because they had Ty Johnson and Zonovan Knight and Brees Hall and Michael Carter. It was a numbers game, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, I'm guessing they'd, he'd be open to coming back if they wanted him. So, yeah, I can see that happening. But if that happens, it just becomes it becomes a situation where you go, it, it will work itself out to where the guys that are in the, the James Robinson and Michael Carter rules, that's just slowly eroded just enough where I don't think they're their production or their worth to your team is high enough for you to forego taking second rounders for them. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are going, oh man, I wouldn't sell Michael Carter for a second. He's good. Mm-hmm. Why not? Is he ever going to be worth a first? As long as he's on the same franchise as Brees Hall, is anyone ever going to give you a first? No, no. Got so no. why wouldn't you take a second? Why wouldn't you use him for a week or two and then take a second? Like that, I think that's how you play it. And that goes for any running back that's a starter that gets hurt. Right. I could see that if somebody's willing to do that, but I also like, I don't mind Carter for the future either. Like, I think he's still like a usable one of those running backs every single week, but I get it. If you get a second form, like I don't hate it. So, well, here's something else I was thinking about and we can talk, we can lead this into the KTC stuff that we were going to go about is uh, the, so after this year, you're going to have the 2023 rookies coming in. You're going to have the 2023 running back class coming in. Mm-hmm. Any of these veteran running backs that managed to still survive and they're pretty good this year, they're still mm-hmm. going to be around next year. Like I think a lot of these guys that are from 2017, 2016 with Henry and Zeke and then 2017 and beyond, mm-hmm. they're going to be year to year from now on. Right. But as long as they're around, as long as they're still usable, they're not going to go quietly. Like I think we're going to end up with a lot of these guys from 2016 and 2017 and 2018 that in three or four years, they're still here. They're still right. in the way of the guys that you now want to be starters. You're going to have a lot of Javante and Melvin Gordon situations, a lot of Tony Pollard and Zeke situations, 
a lot of like Madison and Dalvin Cook situations, but still with Dalvin Cook and Zeke, you know, like you're going to, those guys aren't going to go anywhere. So like in three years, I gave the example of three years, you're going to have, you know, a random team that drafts Travion Henderson and their second running back is going to be, you know, Dalvin Cook. And you're like, well, Dalvin Cook still can play. Like he used to be like an all pro as long as he's still playing, like he's going to be, it's like a bunch of Mark Ingram's and Melvin Gordon's and Frank Gore's running around, you know, like they're not going to go quietly. So I wonder after this year, are we going to hit that flexion point where after this season, because the 23 class is coming in, are we going to hit that point to where you start seeing people selling the Joe Mixon's and Derek Henry's for a second and a third and that kind of stuff? Because then they're in the range where it's like, I don't even need them to start. If I can get, you know, let's say in two years you have a, a Joe Mixon that's a backup, right? Mm-hmm. Right. But if I can get him for a second, all I need is what? what I, I know we talked about this on the original Warp Show. It's a couple spot starts to get your value out of a second rounder. Mm-hmm. But I might get a Melvin Gordon for three years. I mean, and how many times since Melvin Gordon left the Chargers has he been like spot start usable? A shitload of times, right? Right, right. Dozens of games, you know, some with Javante, some before Javante, some after Javante. Like there's all these things and he just kind of stays in the league. He's still even startable. Like I know it's not a great spot, but he's still startable today. Like I think you're going to have a lot of these older running backs that play those roles for three, four, five more years. So I kind of wonder, are they going to be buys for you next year if you can start getting these guys for less than a first, even though they're going to be like 50-50 backs? Like you could see the Vikings drafting a, you know, round don't, two running back next year. And you'll be sorry, like that. Come on. No, but you know what I mean. You know what I mean? You, you could see, I've said, I think the Bengals could draft a running back. There's a lot of people that are saying Mixon's lost a step. I could right. see them draft a running back. So if they draft a, you know, a guy like Blake Corum in the late second round, you're you're telling me that people aren't going to be going all oh, put Blake Corum in. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. No. I but agree. it. But is but is Blake Corum ever going to take over the backfield? As long as Mixon's there, no. It's going to no. be a Gordon Javante situation for at least two years, probably. Right. So is it is it beneficial to start buying the second guy at that point? Because we know a lot of these guys are going to get stuck in those situations because they're they're too old to be what they've been, but they're not done enough to where they'll just be released. A lot right. of them. So what? Would you think they're worth buying after this year if they start to fall under a first price? Yeah, I think so. I did want that um, in our one league already this year. I traded a second and a third for Camara. Now, you know, granted, Kamara is probably going to get suspended next year and whatnot. But, yeah, I'm willing to buy those guys for seconds and thirds um, if I can do that next year. Like, I don't think you can get it done right now. But I think with Kamara, it was an owner that was looking to shed points. Uh, So he did that. And I kind of talked to him like it's one of our friends, Chris Langsbury. And I told him, like, no one's giving you a first for Kamara in any of these leagues. I mean, we haven't seen it at all. I'm like, I'm willing to give you a second and a third, and I'll even throw you back a running back if you want to. Um, I think that was more than fair. We ended up getting the deal done, and I got Camara. I've gotten two good weeks out of Camara since I made that deal. So, 
you know, I'm happy. He's happy. So I, I like that deal. And then if you can do those next year, like you're talking about, if, you know, Blake Corum goes to the Bengals or the Vikings, you know, any of these other running backs end up going there to these places, you know, with, uh, with Dalvin Cook and Joe Mixon and some of these older guys. Yeah, I could definitely see, you know, where their value is going to end up falling because the value is never going to get higher than they are right now. It's, it's always going to be lower and lower each year that they get older. It's it just it gets lower and lower even when they go out and have good games. Right. You know, it doesn't even matter what they produce. The only thing that keeps them from their value lowering is the person that has them, has them for their production. And so they're not willing to trade them. So the perception is they're too expensive, but they're really not too expensive because their value isn't going up. It's not, if a guy like, you know, Dalvin cook goes out and has two 20 plus point games, he's not more expensive. Mm. He's just less likely for someone to go, man, I need to sell it. And that's the difference. But yeah, you're, that's a great example. Kamara is one where Kamara could play four or five more years if he wants. Right. And he's going to be a thorn in the side of anywhere he's at. During that time, and and it you you hope it's not the guy you want in the draft, but let's just face it. Like we're, we have, I mean, if you went through and counted, we have like nine running backs currently in the top twenty-four of ADP. Mm-hmm. And if you want to count guys like James Connor in there or Leonard Fournette in there, like it expands even further. We have like this golden era of running backs from 2016 to twenty eighteen. Like they're just not going to fade out of the league and retire and just right. get out of the way so that like Zach Charbonnet can be a stud. You know what I mean? Right. They're going right. to be there. So like you kind of got to, you're going to deal with, the, you're going to deal with the committees for the next three or four years on a significant degree. I mean, think of the Javante Melvin Gordon situation, but in like 15 backfields. Right. And that's depressing to think, but it's also like that. That's just what's going to happen. These guys are good. They're too good to just fall off. So it'll be very interesting because uh, I, I can guarantee you one of your favorite rookies next year is going to land with one of these like from three years ago studs. And you're going to be like, damn, that sucks. Really, it doesn't suck. If Blake Corum goes to the Bengals, I don't look as Joe Mixon like, oh, man, Joe, Blake Corum's dead. You know what I mean? Right. No, right. you're going to chase the guy that has like fresh legs and is coming in on the upward trajectory, whereas the other veteran is probably on his way down. But you're going to get some of these annoyances, which means you're what are you not going to see? Rarely are you going to see any more Najee Harris situations, you know, or even Damian Pierce situations where, you know, a running back, a rookie running backs just getting 300 touches. So we're going to have to adjust the way we think uh, because of this class that's on the decline, too. So it's going to make it interesting. Right. And then the other trade that happened uh, today was Kadarius Toney to the Chiefs. Uh, what was the compensation on that? I forget it off the top of my head. Do you remember? Uh, it was a third and a sixth. Third and a sixth. It was a okay. comp pick, I believe, the Chiefs got from. Uh, it was a comp pick they got from somebody. I can't remember what it was. I read it, but it was a comp pick that they got. So okay, it's. Uh, I mean, it's it's a it's a hefty price for a guy that I'm not sure anybody else would have given a third. You know what I mean? Like right. I don't know because he still has a first round rookie contract. So like, so it's not a cheap contract either. You know what I mean? Like it's not a contract in, in year four, year five, assuming they were to, I mean, I don't know if they'll pick up his fifth year option. Probably 
no at this point if you had to say so. But right, like it's not a cheap contract. You know what I mean? It's a it's a hefty contract once you get into year three and year four. So they probably paid pretty much market price. Um, I I think it's a good uh, I think it's a good haul for the Giants because clearly he was dead there. They were they was never playing there again. Like they didn't want him. He didn't want to be there. Did, didn't I, didn't you see the tweet? Uh, didn't he tweet something about how basically he just like admitted his injury? He's just sandbagging it. Uh, I did. I haven't really looked into all that yet, but there um, there was a tweet I saw from Tony where he said, "Yeah, they really thought I was injured or something like that." Oh, okay. So like, he, I don't know if his injury like he couldn't play or it was just I don't know fabricated a little bit, you know? Yeah, he's always just been a. Um... Just not not the type of player that I I want, you know, or anything like that. I just he just, just gives me he gives me bad vibes. Yeah. It seems there's there's baggage. Let's just put it yeah. that way. There's baggage. There's injury history and there's baggage. So like, right? I don't know. But what do you what do you think about it? Like going to the Chiefs? Like it's uh, I'll give I mean, my me, thoughts, but I want to hear yours. Uh, well, let me ask you real quick: How many shares of him do you even have? Because I have zero. I got rid of him. I was done with him a while ago. Uh, I had one before last week, and someone caught him in a league. Okay. So I blew all my fab on him. Okay, that makes sense. It's free, twenty-seven free man, twenty-seven man rosters. Someone caught him because it's a shallow Devi league, and so I blew. I, I have a good team. I'm like, ah, eh, this is a luxury pick. So I blew all my fab. So, mm. like, yeah, I have two shares. Okay. And I tried to trade both already, like openly in the chat. He's available, you know, and I'm not going to charge. I'm not going to charge the he he's worth triple what he was yesterday price. Mm-hmm. But I'm also not just going to charge the I'll give him away price like I would have for the last month. Right. So, what do you um, what do you think of him in just in Kansas City in general? Do you think he fits in that offense or anything like that? Like, I just kind of think he's like another McCall Hardman, like. He has better like uh, yak ability than McCole Hardman or anything like that, but I just think he's like another like gadget type player. Um, he does kind of feel like he's similar to the way they used Tyreek the last couple years. I like, mm-hmm. kind of a short area underneath quickness receiver that they really don't have now. But in terms of that being a good fit versus what his production is going to be, I mean. If you've been frustrated with Juju Smith-Schuster's production, I I don't know what to tell you, but I don't think Kadarius Tony is going to come in and be getting ten targets a game either. You know, right? So, like, I think he's he's probably I would say the number two receiver that I want there now, but that doesn't really say much because he's probably just a tick above how much you wanted MVS or McCole Hardman before. Right. Which wasn't like, that much. Like I don't think I don't think this takes away MVS from the starting role though. Like I think he's still probably their best outside deep threat receiver. Like Juju can play a little bit of inside and outside. You know, Kelsey's going to be over the middle, but like I think it's kind of like Hardman and Tony kind of split the slot a little bit. I think it's just so, another option if they need to go yeah. like take all their running backs off the field and they need to put an extra receiver out there. Like he's probably a different, he's probably a different element than what they have, which is why they wanted him. 
mm-hmm. versus just getting another Juju or another Hardman or another MVS. You know, like it wouldn't make sense for them to be the ones that signed like Will Fuller. You know what I mean? Right, right. What would be the point? It's just another guy that's going to kind of do the same thing that MVS another, does. Yes, yeah, yeah, I was going to say it's MVS, the same version. I, I think it helps Mahomes. Because it just gives him another guy, you know what I mean? It gives him another weapon that even if one is down, there's another option. Because I was thinking about this today. What would the Chiefs offense look like if Kelsey were to be out for the year? They'd have to like totally revamp itself, right? Yeah. They'd they'd have have to have another element than what they have without Kelsey. They couldn't just be like, oh, well, we have good receivers. They would need another type of receiver because they don't really have the receiving back that can do that on a, on a large scale either, you know, like they have McKinnon and they have CEH, but I don't think either one of those guys is someone you're going to like mold your passing game around, you know, they're either not good enough or not durable enough. Okay. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. I think, um, I think they'd probably run the ball a little bit more, honestly, if that were to happen, they have a good offensive line. The problem is who do they run the ball more with? I think they've stopped running it because they, they can't run the ball. They they yeah. do it just to just to set up their passing game, but I, I think if they could run the ball, they'd be doing it. Yeah, which makes me um, believe like your boy Ronald Jones must just be terrible. That's a, you won't know till they have an injury. Well, you, um, you won't. And then the last part of this trade that I wanted to bring up, um, we always look at rookie wide receivers, and if they don't smash in year one, we're done with them. I know you've talked about that with like Terrace Marshall. You're just done. A couple other guys were like that too. Uh, Denzel Mims, stuff like that. Is Sky more dead to you? I mean, I wouldn't say dead, but his like value it, has tanked. Well, his value's tanked, but it, it's been tanking ever since he wasn't playing much. Right. And so it was already on the way down. I think you look at him. Here's the funny thing. After last week, I could see Terrace Marshall actually coming back and having a decent second half of the season. But guess what? Doesn't matter. He basically becomes like another Donovan Peoples Jones type receiver. You know what I mean? Like he's adequate. That's that's the high that's the highest level he can ever get to after a good second season would be adequate. He would have to come out and have a really good third season before we would start like respecting him as an actual threshold receiver. You agree with that? Like right now in your mind, does it even matter what Terrace Marshall does the rest of the year? No, not really. Like, like he, what would he have to do for you to go, damn, I need to buy me some Terrace Marshall. He'd have to be like, um, at least like 75 yards per game for me to even be interested in it. If he could, so he'd have to be like consistently a top 40 receiver or something like that. Yeah. Sustainable. Yep. And I don't see that happening. Right. And it's probably not going to happen. So even if it got close to happening, you would immediately bucket a guy like Terrace Marshall into this good enough to have on my team. But truthfully, if you ask you and Eric, it's a roster clogger still. Right. Right. So that's kind of the the way that I see Sky Moore going. Now, he may have a different type of opportunity in year two than Terrace Marshall has, but his baseline is going to be reset down to where Terrace Marshall's was, you know, before this season. Maybe not all the way is down because I don't think people were really excited about the Panthers, 
But I think at the end of this year, if things just continue how they are, it's going to be, you know, you're kind of a sucker if you pay a second for Sky Moore. But there will be people that'll go, man, I'll buy low. Mm-hmm. This is his second year. He's going to grow into the role. But I think the th- what you have to remember is it's just really hard for those guys not to be a threshold receiver, not to be a, a Hunter Renfro type. It's really hard for them to get to a point where it's like this is a premier asset. Yeah, especially with one that didn't do sh- jack shit in their rookie year. And that's the other thing is even to get to that baseline, he's going to have to do something. Like right now mm-hmm. it appears he's just going to be buried. You know, he's a kick returner. And even then he's fumbled three kicks this year. So it's not like he's out there dominating on special teams either. So, and he's not going to play the rest of the year with Tony in there. So they're going to, he's like the fifth or sixth receiver at best. Right. Right. So So you just have to reset his baseline. So yes, effectively for what we're talking about, the conversation we're having effectively, he is dead because I'm not really, you and I are really not looking. We don't go into the off season with our teams looking for, Bargain basement value receivers, do we? No. Exactly. So for for the way we're going to play, we're going to look at someone like Sky Moore as he is a liquidation piece. If I can get a second, I'm going to do it. Even if next year there's going to be periods where I'm like, damn, I wish I had that Sky Moore share back for a second. Right. It's not going to really fit the way we're probably building the teams. So yes, effectively there, he's dead. For a team that has nothing at receiver that's built like upside down, yeah, I can see those taking shots on him in the offseason. And that's why the strategy works, because there's always people chasing that pedigree. There was people still chasing Brian Edwards and Jalen Rager before this season. You know, I'll, I'll pick him up for a third. I'll grab LaVisca Chenault for a third. Like, no. Yeah. When's the last time you remember one of those working out? Not, not very good. I mean, I think the one that I have bought that has worked out that didn't like smash his rookie year would be Gabe Davis. Yeah. But that, I mean, Gabe Davis on how many levels is a complete outlier situation. Yeah, it's an outlier. Yeah. I agree with that hundred percent. So that, that, I mean, yeah. I, and you know what? That's actually one of the justifications you would hear people say why they would still buy in the sky more. Right. Right. Yep. They don't even care what he did as a rookie or even a second year guy. He's got fucking Mahomes. Yep. That, that was, what was that's it. Say. He has Mahomes. Yep. That's all. It's not like so, he's got Baker Mayfield thrown to him or something. They, and you know what? There will be people that still convince themselves that like Josh Palmer's good next year. Because maybe yeah. Mike will, maybe Keenan Allen, they, I know Keenan Allen, they can get out of his contract next year. What if they got rid of Keenan Allen, brought in another alpha receiver? You'd still hear people going, oh, Josh Palmer. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what I did with KJ Osborne this year. Yeah. But and those, those aren't, those aren't bad to have. They're not, it's yeah. not bad to have the number three receiver on a really good team with a quarterback like that. The difference yeah. is you have to reframe what they're worth. Those guys are not worth firsts. No, no. I, I sold Osborne to you for a third in a couple of leagues. And I think I, I probably won out on that so far because Osborne really hasn't had a game. And if he did have a game, you probably didn't start it. Yeah, he was he was hard to pick when you're going to have those games too. So yeah, that's exactly the the principle of working through the the sky more valuation. He's not dead, but he's dead effectively I, given not, what you pay, what you paid and what your yeah. expectations were. He's dead. Yes. He's dead. Yeah. I'm not selling him for a third. I'll sell him for a second. That's kind of where I'm at with it. Agree. I think you agree. Yep. And then I was really, uh, while you were talking there, I was looking through the, the chief's um, contract situation. So they, 
MVS is due a $6.44 million guaranteed bonus March 19th, which I'm guessing that's probably the start of the league year, the new league year. Yep. So he would be due that $6.44 million if he's on the roster then. But he's not guaranteed anything else, and he's an $11 million cap hit. So they could effectively get out of – if they just cut MVS by uh, before the, the league start year, I think – that's probably what's going to happen. I think it was, he's just there for this year and that's it. And Hardman is a free agent. He's an unrestricted free agent. Yeah. Hardman's a free agent. So he could be gone. So that would make up, you know, they got uh, Tony Skymore. I think Juju's a free agent. Yeah. Juju only signed a one year deal. So um, I would, I would guess they'd probably try and bring Juju back. Like he hasn't been, um, he's actually been pretty, pretty got uh, good. He's like a, top 15 receiver in fantasy this year. Yeah, so I think far. I think that that was my prediction. I think they will re-sign Juju. I think it's been a good fit thus far. So, but they you're definitely speaking to the fact that their receiver core is uh in flux after this year for sure. So, yeah, so it's it's Juju, Tony, Skymore, and that's probably it. Like I'm not counting on Justin Ross. Justin Watson is just a guy. So, you know, they're going to be in the um, sweepstakes to to draft another receiver or two. You know, like if Tyler Harrell comes out, I know m- many people don't know about him. That's one guy I would, I would expect the Chiefs to go get is Tyler Harrell. But Eric, Justin Ross, all he has to do is get healthy. Yeah, good luck. Good luck. Sarcasm. I know. Um. But yeah, no, that was a good a good conversation on uh, on the Chiefs and Sky Moore there. I like that, so that was good. Want to get into uh, some KTC stuff? Yeah, so we're gonna go to Ray Garvin's favorite website in the whole wide world, Keep Trade Cut, and we're just gonna kind of go over like the current dynasty rankings and look at the market right now, and kind of see, talk it out like who's too high, who's too low. Who are some good buys? Who are some good sells? Um, and what some some pivots that you can make off of? So I thought that was going to be a, a good exercise for us this week. So we'll start off at quarterback. I'll just go over the top fives at each position um, as we go. So top quarterback right now is Josh Allen. Patrick Mahomes is second. Jalen Hurts is third. Justin Herbert is four. And Lamar Jackson is five. Um, I don't have any problems with that top five. I'd maybe like you could convince me like maybe Burrow and Herbert switch, but I, I think this is a good top five. What do you think? Yeah, I'm fine with it. I, I I think when you're operating in this range and you can probably throw for me, you can throw Burrow, Kyler and Deshaun Watson into that range. Yep. It, when you're talking about those eight, truthfully, I don't really bother trying to move around when I have those eight. Like mm-hmm. I'm not motivated to move from Burrow to Josh Allen or vice versa. You know, right, whatever right. the gap is, like I don't look at my teams and say, oh, I got Burrow and Lamar Jackson. Let me go try to get Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Maybe right. that's a blind spot, but I typically am trying to get like one of those eight mm-hmm. in as many leagues as I can, two of them if I can. But once I have them, I'm not really looking to pay the price to upgrade. And I, I'm not necessarily like, obviously my Josh Allen shares, I'm not trying to pivot down either. Mm. So I'm just kind of like, I'm, I'm rolling with those. I balance my portfolio by trying to have kind of a, a good exposure of all of them. But 
I think I almost look at those as like one big tier and I'm just trying to get as many of those guys I can across all my teams. Right. And I think that's the cutoff line. I think a lot of people would say they don't have Watson in there, but you know, the closer we get to Watson coming back, like, yeah, we're only five weeks away or whatever it is. Yeah. Week 12 is the, the, the last week of his suspension. So 13 is when he comes back. So, right. Yeah, five five weeks away, and he's he's starting for the five Cleveland games. Rock. Yeah, so like he'll yeah. probably play around the same time like Jamar Chase comes back. So yeah. like he's and, there. Yeah, and just remember, I mean, it's I'm not expecting Watson to come in day one and light it up. Like he is playing the Texans, so I I would bet he probably has a good game in that one. But it, I'm not like expecting him to come up and light up the world for 300 yards every single game and rush for 40, 50 yards every game. You know, right off the bat but he is going to do that again. And he is going to be in my dynasty top five. I mean, he's already in my dynasty top five. I probably have him at fifth, but yeah, he's, he's right up there. So I mean, and Kyler and Justin Herbert aren't lighting it up either, but they're still top. They're still in the top 10. So it's like, I, I, I expect Watson day one to be a QB one. Now maybe that's QB nine or QB six, but I don't expect, you know, you see this narrative. Oh, he's going to be rusty. Yeah, okay. It, you really think he's going to be rusty enough that he comes out and he's, you know, Jared Goff? You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So like, I'm, he's going to be a QB one. Yep. So right. I, like, you you almost just keep him there and you forget about the fact that he's over half his suspension time is gone now. So mm-hmm. yeah, he's up there. So what I, I guess bottom line is when I have those eight, honestly, man, I, I don't even care which ones I have. You know, just give me all of them. Um, one that is interesting to me, I think the highest guy on this list that I'd kind of question a little bit, um, even though I do like the player is Trevor Lawrence at QB eight. I would easily take Watson over him. I think you could have an argument of Dak over him, but I mean, I could see it with the age difference. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the one place I think we can find looking on this that you can exploit now. And can you trade Trevor Lawrence and get Deshaun Watson? I think if if I'm the Watson owner, no, because I'm like, I'm only five weeks away. I've waited this long. I've, you know, if I've had him this whole time through all his situation from last year and this year, like I'm five weeks away. Why, why am I going to give that up now? Like, I'm so so I think that's the flaw with KTC too, because I agree with you. Like if you go to the Watson manager and it was the guy that traded for him in April of 2021, why is that guy going to sell for Trevor Lawrence? You know, right, right. Like the time to tra- sell for Trevor Lawrence was, you know, at the height of I'm not sure what's going to happen. I, I'm not sure he's not going to go to prison. You know what I mean? That's when you would have taken Trevor Lawrence. Like, okay, sure. But now, like, obviously Trevor Lawrence has has shown that he's not like buried like we might have thought he was in the off season, but. Mm-hmm. Even at the beginning of the year, if you'd have told me I wanted Trevor Lawrence because I'm going to get a full year worth of starts, I could respect that. But right. now, yeah, I think this slowly – honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if Watson is is creeping up on the top five or six as it, the time mounts that he's coming back. Like I right, can see yeah. him moving up. The closer we get, the people are going to click on his name more so than, you know, Kyler Murray or, you know, like I think he's going to move up probably to like six or seven, probably right in the Burrow range. I agree. Yep. Um, another one that's surprising to me on here is Kenny Pickett's at quarterback 14. I think that's way too high. Yeah, it's uh, it's people chasing the 
the age. That's all it is. Yeah. And like, I think I would I would take Derek Carr over him, who's a spot below him. I definitely would take Mac Jones ahead of him. Kirk Cousins, I, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's way too low on this. Yep. Yep. Now I think you're this second tier after you get past the Watson range. Mm-hmm. And keeping Lawrence in, I guess we'll put Lawrence in the higher tier because he is ahead of Watson technically. Mm. But that range of Tua, Dak, Lance, Fields, Pickett, Carr, Daniel Jones, Zach Wilson, Kirk Cousins, Mac Jones, Russell Wilson, like that Mm. grouping I think is what I would call kind of like the trouble zone Mm -hmm. because you might think you're getting one thing, but you might not be. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely guys in there, like from the last Destination Dynasty show, there's there's a lot of guys in there that you're probably starting every week. But they're killing you too, you know? Mm-hmm. Like they're hurting you because you thought you had one thing and you really don't. Whereas yeah. if you had if you had Carr or Cousins and those were your two quarterbacks, you're fine. You're not winning anything because of those guys, but they're not hurting you. Yeah, if you've been starting Zach Wilson, that's been rough. Russell Wilson's obviously been very rough this year. Um, even starting think Kenny about Pickett, that Zach Wilson ranking, are you shocked to see him over Russell Wilson and Kirk Cousins? Like, w- would you trade your Zach Wilson for those two guys right now? Yeah. Um, in our, uh, one of my leagues that I run, I trade, uh, one of our, uh, guys that we've known, Enad, he uh, proposed to me his Russell Wilson for my Zach Wilson straight up. And I took it, I, I took Russell Wilson over Zach Wilson easy. Did you even think about that? Um, not really. I like, I brought it to you and just asked you your opinion on it. Uh, but you, you were like, dude, that's a smash. So I, I went and accepted that. Cause that's, that's kind of what I was thinking. Like, am I overthinking this? But yeah, I mean, Zach Wilson's not like he's lighting up the world. He has all these weapons and they won't let him throw the damn ball. So it's like, why do I want him? Yeah. I mean, it's just interesting to see him. I hadn't looked at this before we did the show. I hadn't considered no, I that he would be 17, man. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like that's his value on the market though. Does it? Yeah. No. How about, how about quarterback 21 Malik Willis? He's above Geno Smith, Matt Stafford, Aaron Rodgers. Dude, that hasn't even played a, like really a snap. Yeah. You're telling me you're not taking Matt Stafford for Malik Willis right now. No, I, I, I get what you're saying, yeah. Like, I probably would rather have Malik over these guys, like, long-term. But what's long-term? That That's the thing. I bet you everyone yeah. that's clicking on Malik Willis is going, oh, man, give him a couple years, you know, then he's going to smash. Right, but right. If he never gets an opportunity or he never gets a real legit opportunity. Right, yeah, I get that. And that's like, you know, I, that's why I brought up Kenny Pickett, like, quarterback 14, like, when I evaluated him, I'm like, this guy, he's going to be okay in the NFL, but like, he's never going to be above like quarterback, like 16 for me. But here we are. He's at quarterback 14, according to these rankings, but he would drop at least five or six spots for me. Would you rather have Daniel Jones or Kenny Pickett? Uh, I take Pickett. Okay. Uh, Cause I, th- I think part of what's going into this value is the, we already know kind of where the market is on Daniel Jones. He's probably mm-hmm. better than his market value, and I think it's going to take a while for it to bounce back. Mm-hmm. Pickett, it feels like part of the reason why you'd want Pickett is because you feel like there's some unknown range of outcomes for him. Right. So you'd rather have Pickett the asset. Who would I rather have, like as my quarterback, scoring fantasy points? You know, that's not what we're what we're grading here. You know, like that's why I think people are a little higher on Zach Wilson and Kenny Pickett because they see their weapons, mm-hmm. and they go like, if it ever clicks. It's going to click harder than it would for, you know, Daniel Jones or some of these other guys. 
Right. But that's the only thing I can think of as to why that, and that's why I would rather have Kenny Pickett, but I don't want Kenny Pickett. If that makes sense. Right. And there's there's at least four guys on here that I would trade for Kenny Pickett straight up. I would rather have Derek Carr right now. I'd rather have Kirk Cousins. I'd rather have Mac Jones. I'd rather have Russell Wilson. Would you agree on all four of those? Yeah. How much Pickett do you have? I have, I think, two. And one of them was the kitchen sink league that you got me into, and I won them in the auction because I didn't have any quarterbacks. Yeah, I have no Kenny Pickett. I sold one. So that's mm-hmm. it. So like I don't. Yeah, I, I'm like I Tony. Just, I don't have a lot to shop. You know me. I I was totally off of this this quarterback class. So I didn't draft any of them. The only ones I did draft, um, I got a couple Sam Howells in like round four, and um, I took a couple Bailey Zappies that I got off of waivers for free and like in like the fifth round of a league or uh, a deep league. Those are the only quarterbacks I even drafted this year was how, because he went so late and zappy because he went so late. It's not like I was like in love with these guys, but they were just like, Oh, okay. I'll take a shot at them. But I didn't draft any picket. I, I bought them once in an auction. I didn't have any Malik Willis until me and you drafted him like uh, on a orphan team that we picked up together. I didn't draft any Matt Corral. Matt Corral, I was off of. Desmond Ritter, I was completely off of. I have zero of those guys anywhere. Yeah, that's. I guess that's the thing. I have a lot of Malik Willis, and I, mm. I mean, can I can I actually trade Malik Willis for Matt Stafford or Aaron Rodgers? You know, like I think there would be a couple of shares where I would just be willing to do that. Mm. So yeah, that's it's interesting. It's very very interesting to see those, and then. Uh, you go way down and there's still like some guys that are starting every week that are just buried. Yeah. Garoppolo's quarterback 28. Uh, Ellinger's moved up quite a bit. The quarterback 29, like he's already above zappy. Like I'd rather have zappy over Ellen. I mean, would you trade Ellinger and zappy right now for Ryan Tannehill? No, I'd rather have Ellinger and zappy. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Honestly, I'd rather have the two shots there. Cause I don't think, I mean, I think Tannehill's okay, but he's going to give you like Mariota or Zach Wilson numbers for the rest of the year. It's like barely over 200 passing yards. Like they have nobody to throw to. Yeah. Like Carson Wentz is way down here. Quarterback 35. I mean, I know he's hurt right now, but, you know, I'd probably rather have him over a lot of these guys too. I mean, if you just picked up Ellinger, would you trade Sam Ellinger for Tom Brady? Yeah, I think so. I don't think Ellinger's that great, no. I mean, literally, Bailey Zappi and Sam Ellinger are ahead of Tom Brady. Yeah, and I, I'd easily take Brady there for sure. Um, I'd probably take I'd probably take Mariota over Ellinger. I still like Mariota a little bit, but even though they just don't throw the ball. Yeah, I think I'd probably even consider taking Winston over those guys too. Right. Yep, I agree with that. Like yeah, it's, it's very interesting how far down uh, some of these guys have gone because of what's going on right now. Yeah, like, guys that have played forever. Here's one that mind-boggling to me: Why the hell is Kyle Trask at quarterback forty-three, and Gardner Minshew's quarterback forty-nine? Gardner Minshew is thirty times better than Kyle Trask. I mean, who would you rather have right now, Taylor Heineke or Kyle Trask? Heineke. Because he's playing, right? Just because he's playing, and I've actually seen him actually do something in the NFL. Yeah, I'd take Andy Dalton over Kyle Trask. 
easily. I'd take almost every one of these guys. I'd even take Tra- I'd take Trubisky and Mayfield easy. And Sam Darnold over Kyle Trask. Yep, Sam Darnold over him. Yep. Yeah. Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush over Kyle Trask, and they're one spot apart. Would you rather have Matt Corral or Jacoby Brissett? Jacoby Brissett. Yeah. How is Matt Corral on quarterback thirty-eight? Like people are people really taking him over? Like all those? Ty- it's just weird. Like if things ha- you know broke. You know where Tyler Huntley went and got a starting job next year, easily over Matt Corral, and he's valued below him. That doesn't make any sense. I take Tyler Huntley right now. Lamar misses a game or two. Yeah, you can play him. Matt Corral's on fucking injured reserve with a broken t- foot. Like I think the Panthers should go call Baltimore. Hey, what do you want for Tyler Huntley? <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. It's interesting how you get down in this ranges, and I wonder how valid these these are. It's just people clicking names. You know what I mean? Like it's truly. Right. That's why you can't use this just to like propose trades for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um. All right. So let's go over to the running backs. This is going to be short and sweet for me. Yeah. So here's the top five. It's Jonathan Taylor, Ken Walker, Saquon Barkley, Brees Hall still at four. I'm sure that's probably trending down though. And then Travis Etienne is five. Holy shit. I mean, I can't argue with it because he is younger than all these other guys, but. Uh, pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, I said in earlier in our DLF Discord, I said Travis Etienne and Ken Walker sell me why they're not the RB two and three in Dynasty. Right. So here's my thing with Ken Walker. Love the player. I think he's excellent. I think his ceiling's Nick Chubb. I, no, I agree. But that that speaks just to where the running back landscape is. But my point is, it it's hard to put who else is there to put ahead of him. I agree with that too. Like it's hard to put anybody ahead of him, but like if somebody's coming to me for Ken Walker and wants to give me two first and you know, Tony Pollard or, or Khalil Herbert or something, he's gone right now. I think yeah, two firsts. Any of these guys are gone. Yeah, Honestly, it's hard to, it's hard to not deal Jonathan Taylor. If I could get two firsts. Yeah. If you give me two, two first, yeah, two first and give me a running back back that I could use, you know, that, I don't know, maybe Pollard and Herbert were too high, but if I scroll down and give me Elijah Mitchell back, Gus Edwards, Jamal Williams, Chuba Hubbard, Cordero Patterson, somebody. Damian Pierce at RB10, you think that's too high? I mean, for what the landscape is right now, probably not. Like, I probably would take – I'd probably still take him over Josh Jacobs, even though Jacobs is having a really good year. I think this is – I think this is me personally thinking Jacobs is like, oh, I'm going to get paid this year, so I'm going to do really good. And then once he gets paid, he just turns into Leonard Fournette. Hmm. You know, kind of what I – that's just personally how I feel. Um, But, I mean, over Javante, easy. Over Joe Mixon, easy. Over, you know, Najee's uh, same age or – no, they're two years apart. Um, You take Pierce over Henry and Dalvin? Easy, yeah, just because of the age, even though Henry is just smashing every single week again, but you know it's coming to an end here soon. You think Javante's too high at running back 13? I think he's still working his way down. I think, I think these obviously these are fluid and, and keep going down. And, and he was probably like second, third, fourth, so he's already moved down that far, but yeah, I've, I'm easily taking Mixon, Najee, Stevenson. 
Henry Cook, Kamara. Like I'm, I'm taking him over to those guys for sure. Like he's probably, he's probably down to where J.K. Dobbins is at because they're probably in the same situation. I would you take Javante or Dobbins? Javante. Uh, I'm the same way. But like a couple of these guys ahead of him, Brian Robinson. I'll probably just take my shot on Javante. That Williams. that one's shocking to me. Are you really taking Brian Robinson over David Montgomery or Leonard Fournette? No. Maybe Fournette, but not Montgomery, no. Yeah. Um, I probably I think Khalil Herbert's a better player than Brian Robinson. I'd probably take Khalil Herbert. Yeah, I agree with that. Tony Pollard's probably pretty close too, but Pollard's situation's interesting because I don't know if Dallas is gonna be able to pay him to keep him next year. Yeah. I could see Pollard going somewhere else next year. Um, uh, but I think that's close. But we've seen, you know, we've talked about it in the DD chat about uh, Brian Robinson that we just don't see anything like exciting there. Like he tries to run to the outside and he just, these fast linebackers and safety just swallow his ass up. Like he does not have the ability to cut it outside and, and make big chunk gain. So if anybody's giving me a second rounder for Brian Robinson right now, I'm just doing it. I'm pulling the trigger. You can have him for a second round pick for next year. Another couple that are interesting to me on here that are, Kind of just in no man's land, but I mean, are you, you think James Cook's too high at running back thirty-five? Yep, he hasn't. He done hasn't shit. done a damn thing. Yep, I'll, I'll easily take Pacheco, Algier, Eno Benjamin, Antonio Gibson, Damian Harris. I'm taking those guys above him for sure. Yeah, and would you say the same thing for Pacheco being too high? Um. Yeah, there's a couple guys. I I take Gibson. I take Damian Harris above him. Daryl Henderson. I mean, who would you rather have, Pacheco or Raheem Mostert? Pacheco, just because Mostert's one injury away from just never playing again. Right, but what if Pacheco never has a startable game? I'm still That's the thing. Like you're in this range yeah. where it's like, if you tell me I can get the rest of the season and only. Only maybe get maybe I get four starts out of Cordero Patterson or Raheem Mostert. Wouldn't you rather have that over Pacheco? And yeah, you don't have I, to pay it straight up. Right. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. But yeah, they're, I mean, they're getting it, it you on. He's a Chiefs running back, Eric. He just needs a little time, no, and he's going to blow up. I, I no, it's it's really the age thing with me. Mostert's what thirty one, and Pacheco's twenty three. Like I'm getting. But when Pacheco. you're this far down, how much does the age matter? No, no, that that makes sense to me too. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm looking at it more as if I'm a contender and playing it for this year. Sure, I'll go with Patterson or Mostert and and just kind of ride it out because there isn't much difference between those guys. But if I'm just choosing in a startup right now, I'm easily choosing Pacheco. Yeah, I mean, I I get what you're saying. Uh, points wise right now, you know, you're going to want those guys. Like there's still guy Jamal Williams. That guy produces every single week. It seems like I'd probably would rather have Jamal Williams over Pacheco. Yeah. Gus Edwards has looked, looked pretty good last week. I'd probably take him over Pacheco. Yep. So yeah, that's interesting. And all this tells me is I'm looking through this list and I'm sitting here and I'm like, wow, RB 22, Brian Robinson, you know, RB, 28 still Clyde Edwards Hilaire, you know, RB 32, James Robinson, 35, James Cook, 36, Isaiah Pacheco. I mean, 
RB30, Zeke Elliott, and that guy just produces every single week. Let, too. Let's get some new blood in here, right? Yeah. It's time. And there's, there's a shit ton coming next year and the year after. There's a yep. bunch. We we need it. We definitely need an influx of uh, running backs, which is going to be here. Here's a, another question for you. So me and you did the same draft philosophy this year. I think first round we were just taking um, the wide receivers this year pretty much. We weren't taking any quarterbacks. Uh, you know, if you had the position to draft Walker or Brees, we were. But I'd say mainly our draft picks, we were taking the wide receivers in the first round this year. And then me and you had the same strategy. Second, third, fourth, fifth round, we just hammered the hell out of the running backs so far. But I've found on a lot of my teams, not a lot of those running backs have even really even gotten a chance to play yet. Do you think we maybe messed up a little bit by not taking more of the Wandale Robinsons and some of the receivers in that range? Um, or are you still just waiting and being patient on some of these running backs that really haven't gotten a shot yet? Like, you know, fourth round, we're taking Snoop Connors and uh, Ty Chandler's and Jerome Ford's. Zamir White hasn't really played. Uh, Brian Robinson's finally getting around. Hassan Haskins hasn't really played at all. Are you just kind of being patient with those guys? Or are you disappointed or, or what? Um, I mean, I, I did take a lot of David Bell and a lot of Wandale Robinson and a lot of Jalen Tolbert, but I also took the strategy of what you said too, and took a lot of those middle round running backs. I, I think you have to put it in perspective of what they are. If you were a, a mid mid to early day three pick. So I'm talking like a fourth or fifth rounder. The expectation is just that you're kind of on a cheap enough contract that you hold that spot for a couple years. It's not just right. one year. So what you have to do is you have to hope that the Zamir whites of the world or the Isaiah spillers of the world, even if the problem is we had a scope of thinking, okay, those guys are going to be starters, but what if they're not? What if they're just the next Devin Singletary or Alexander Madison, where Singletary wasn't a starter right away, but he's had to wait his turn. Madison's never got a turn. Right. But they were effectively the same type of draft pick. So, like, at at worst, you end up with, you know, another Zach Moss, where you're still on the roster for your whole rookie contract, but you're mm -hmm. not that great. Right, like right. That's what you're probably going to get. And, and that's why I think you draft those guys. You don't expect by week six that they're giving you spot starts. You might get lucky because there's mm -hmm. an injury and they're giving you spot starts. But I think if you have like Samir White, Terry Davis Price, um, Isaiah Spiller, like they're, they're going to be on the contract next year. As long as they're good enough to have a roster spot, you're going to put them in the same slot next year too. You know? Okay, so I shouldn't be discouraged by having those guys still, and they haven't done anything. I mean, if they've had opportunity to do something, and like you know, they had four games where they started and didn't do anything, then I'm more worried. But I don't think you can look at those guys I mentioned and be like, "Yeah, they've had tons of opportunity and they didn't do anything." You know, so right. at worst, they just occupy a next man up on a depth chart roster spot which should give you multiple years when you draft a bunch of those guys. That's the hope. Mm -hmm. There's going to be some, like you mentioned Ty Chandler or Jerome Ford or Snoop like, Connor. Yeah, There's going to be some of those guys that don't make it next yeah. year. The team gets another guy like that and they become Larry Roundtree, you know, like yeah, that, that's going to happen. Said, yep. 
does. So there's going to be the guys where you go, man, that guy's not that good. They bring in a fourth or fifth round running back next year, and they're just better. Yeah. Yeah. Zach so, Chardonnay comes in and takes their role. Yep. But then there's been some that, you know, they've been usable. Like, I think Keontae Ingram has looked pretty good. Like, that's a guy, yep. if you have Keontae Ingram, you probably have a potential handcuff for mm-hmm. three more years. Yep. He's going to be good enough to be on a roster. And isn't that what you hoped when you took him in the third or fourth round? Like that, that's a win because yeah. he now gives you a, a, a live asset for two or three more years. And that's like the best you could hope unless these guys show off immediately. Are you willing to buy some of these guys in the off season for like fourth rounders? If they just don't like really play this year, if there's some of them you believe in. So like, you know, me, Ty Chandler, if he doesn't really play this year, but Madison's gone. Would that be a guy you'd be willing to buy a little bit of? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's, they're all going to fit your roster construction, right? Yep. You're going to be interested in, I mean, I already have teams right now where I'm like, man, a lot of the running backs that I gambled on in the preseason or early in the season, they've been cut. They don't have jobs. You know, like I've started to cycle through the, uh, the Philip Lindsay's and those types, you know, like I'm fine cutting those guys. If you've been in this spot three or four times in your career and you're still not making it, that's when I'm okay kind of moving on and I'll, I'll pick them back up if they land in another spot, but the Philip Lindsay's, the Tevin Coleman's, the Marlon Max, like I'm not necessarily chasing those guys mm-hmm. when they cycle back to a practice squad or something. You know what I mean? It's like the Royce right. Freeman effect. How many times is he going to get a shot until it's clear? Like he's just like a number four, or number five running back. Yeah. But I think that's going to be something we need to focus on the way we build our teams is we're going to get to some teams in the off season. And what do we do in the off season? In the off season, guess who you're cutting all the backup quarterbacks, right? Yep. Uh, you're cutting the Greg Dorches and the Richie Jameses. Those guys are gone, right? And why you don't want those guys in the off season. Yep. So you need to fill like, I, I just did this while we were talking earlier. I averaged the number of running backs I have across my 57 teams. Mm-hmm. Guess what the number is? So per team across every team, 57 teams, how many running backs do I have per team? Uh, I'd say 13 to 14. 15. 15. 15.05. And that's okay. that's probably damn near half the roster, right? Yeah, most of these leagues, yeah. So like, we're going to need new bodies to fill those spots because there's going to be a lot of players that get cycled in and cycle out. So yeah, I think the way to play it will be, let's say you go into an off season and somebody is willing to give you two or three of these guys for a third. Mm -hmm. I think that's the way you play it. If you have four or five thirds, instead of adding five rookie running backs, Maybe you play it and you go buy a Jerome Ford and a Pierre Strong for a third. Yeah, and you yeah, fill Pierre your Strong, you, you fill your team that way with guys like that. I think that's a better way to to use your thirds rather than just draft all new rookie running backs because some of these guys are going to just take until a year or two or year two or three till they get a shot. So that's how I'd look yeah. at it. Yeah, there's going to be some guys that we like that are going to end up being, you know, Zamir White again this year or Snoop Connors, you know, in this coming draft, like. You know, I'm thinking Zach Charbonnet is going to be like a fourth or fifth round pick. Uh, Blake Corum, he he might be like a second or third round pick. Um, I'm sure there's a few other guys that I'm missing off the top of my head. But, there, yeah, there's going to be some of these guys, you know, that we're okay with taking. So, I agree. 
Yep. You uh, want to do uh, receivers real quick? Yeah, let's go through receivers and, and tight ends real quick. Um, so the top five, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Cooper Cup, Stephon Diggs, Jalen Waddell at five. Um, actually, I'll just do the top ten. Six is A.J. Brown, Olave, seven, T. Higgins, eight, C.D. Lamb, nine, Tyreek Hill, ten. Um, like, I don't, I don't, I don't disagree with this list. Like there's a, maybe Amon Ron London, but London is just, I think those are offense. the, I put those in the same tier Amon Ron London for different reasons. Like I, I honestly am looking at the top 12 and it's kind of how I would do it. You know? Yep. I agree. Um, I personally probably have Garrett Wilson, maybe a little higher. I like him. Uh, they have George Pickens above Garrett Wilson. Jmo, I love Jmo, so I'm I'm gonna be a little biased there, but I think where he's at right now is fair, but he has the a chance to ascend that for sure. Yeah, I think there's a couple guys on here that are too low. Yeah. Uh, I think that probably we're being a little too biased against age. Mm-hmm. Like I think Deontay Johnson's too low. Deontay, I think yeah. probably Marquise Brown is too low. Yep. But but again, this kind of tells you when you get to this range how reflective it of is of who's producing right now versus yeah. who's not. You know what I mean? Like I think that's a big driver of some of these rankings. Of like clearly you have a guy like Pickens that's all the way up in that spot. I, I mean I don't disagree with Pickens being that high given that he's 21 and he's already kind of flashing as a rookie. But I, I just kind of look at some of these guys that I know are historically very good that are that are slipping simply because maybe they're not producing now yeah. or they're injured. So like one that doesn't make sense, they're one spot apart, so it's not that big of a deal. But Alec Pierce over Juju, I'm easily taking Juju there. Yeah, I agree. Elijah, with that. I'd, pro- I'd probably still take Elijah Moore over Alec Pierce, easy. Yep. Darnell Mooney, Kobe Myers. I'd probably take Chase Claypool over him still, too. So that's interesting. I mean, I know this probably isn't reflective of the the Tony trade yet, but Sky Moore at wide receiver 51. Mm-hmm. Like, are you taking a couple of the guys? Like, are you taking – would you take Tyler Boyd for Sky Moore right now? Yes. And would you go down the list and basically be any receiver that's producing below Sky Moore you would trade him for? And that kind of speaks to what we were talking about earlier. Like he now becomes a guy where your your perspective on him is just a usable receiver. So you'd probably be willing to trade him for one of these guys that's a little bit lower. Like would you trade Sky Moore for Curtis Samuel? Yep. Hunter Renfro was the one I was just going to mention. He's two spots lower. Easily take Renfro. Yep. He comes like- back. If Michael Thomas came back and was producing, if Michael Gallup started to produce, like, yep. would you take Calvin Ridley over Sky Moore? Probably, yeah. Because he ain't going to do shit the rest of the year, and then I get Ridley back next year. But don't you think Calvin Ridley's value, will there'll be a window where it rebounds? Yeah. That's actually not a bad, like, offer to go, you know, if you want to get rid of your Sky Moore, go offer sky more for calvin ridley because you're not losing much for the rest of this year if anything and by next when they come back next year ridley comes back i could easily see ridley out producing sky more by a ton so would you take brandon cooks over sky more yeah i probably would yeah 
I mean, it's a age difference, but you probably got another year or two good of, of Brandon Cooks. Yeah. Um, you know, Tyquan Thornton's, Nico Collins, Donovan Peoples Jones or Sky Moore. Man, I kind of like DPJ. Yeah, that's kind of how I am. And then you get him with Watson too. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, so there, there's a lot of these guys. Um, the one I wanted to mention to you is if we go back to uh, the top of the rankings with Jamar Chase. Now, uh, while we were uh, talking here, uh, Dogtown, one of your uh, co-owners on a team, traded Stefan Diggs for Jamar Chase straight up. He got um, he got Chase and for Diggs. So obviously that was a win now mode for for that guy to get Diggs. Do you think I'm, I'm I went out and I've already per, per, uh, proposed a couple trades. I give up my Cooper Cup um, to get Jamar Chase. Do you think this is the time to go and do that? Like yeah. you might not have a better shot to ever get, you know, trade your Cooper Cup and you can get Jamar Chase. Like this might yep. be the only time you can do this with uh, Chase being out for a month. I think you'd even add a small piece to those guys to do it. Yeah. Like I've, um, I offered AJ Brown, um, and a piece for Jamar chase. I went out and did that already. Um, so I'm trying, like I'm, I'm willing to go and do that right now. So, you know, if, even if I'm like, if I'm like a contender, I'm like, you know, first or second place right now, I'm probably not going to, um, trade Cooper cup. Um, as my main piece right now, if I'm going for it, but if I'm in the middle of the pack, eight and six, stuff like that, you know, or, uh, you know, that's a double league, um, that I'm looking at. I'm go ahead and trade Cooper, my Cooper cup, um, and go and get Jamar Chase. So. Yeah, that seems like it's a, uh, that seems like it's the window yep. and it's, it's the type of deal that it's probably hard if you have a team that's like, obviously playoff bound you're taking a little risk but yeah that the, the window's there yep i love that that's going to be interesting if you see more deals like that go down because i think that that kind of just tells you how reactionary dynasty is mm-hmm. and that's one of the few spots where you would kind of fade the fact that you know you're, you're going to lean into the injury where i think we would do the opposite if it's a running back if it's a, if it's a running back we're not trading a christian mccaffrey for javante you know what i mean right but with yeah, with the receivers, yeah. And let me ask you this: Would you, would you do the same right now for, like, would you sell T. Higgins if you could get some of the receivers that are a, t- a tick below him and a second? Yeah. So the ones below Higgins right now are Lamb, Tyreek, Amon-Ra, London. Like, would Evo. you take would you take a second in Amon-Ra for Higgins? Second and Amara for Higgins, probably. Yeah, I think that's probably pretty similar. Yeah, because I can see Higgins jumping up into the top three in this. What? Because that's how you, people are reactionary, you know. What do you think um, you could get uh, if you did that and went down to DK? What do you think you could get on top of DK with DK not playing? Do you think it's similar or? I think it's think probably you, could, you probably got to get you probably got to ask for a first. So DK DK and, and a first for Higgins, yeah. That's interesting. That's tempting, isn't it? If I can get DK in the first, hell yeah. <laughs> no, that's tempting. That that yeah. But that I, I think know. is not an unfair ask. 
I think I think it's I think it's more of I think you if to do that deal, I think you got to get DK in the first for T in a second. I think is what you have to do. Yeah, I agree. I think that I think that's probably more the route. Um, you know, I mean, not not much in tight ends. Like tight end is just a crapshoot. I don't think we really have to to go through the tight ends anyways. Um. Yeah, so you want to uh, play America's favorite game before we uh, close it out for this week? Yeah, we could probably continue some of this stuff on next week's yeah. episode. This stuff's always changing. It's good to kind of just discuss the market and whatnot. So we have uh, yeah. some trade strategy stuff coming up next week, and maybe we'll hit back on uh, how these have changed in the na- well, last week or so. But yeah, America's favorite game. Let's go. All right, I told you I had one for this week since we're only a few days away from Halloween, so we got to do like a Halloween scary one. Do you want to do your favorite scary movie or your favorite candy or your favorite Halloween costume that you had as a kid? Which one you, would you rather do? How long you pick? We'll go number three. Favorite Halloween costume as a kid. All right, what do you got for me? So I wore this costume five straight years. Okay. I was barred from wearing it when I turned 15. My mom said I was too old to trick or treat. Okay. And I, I argue, I remember arguing with her like, no, I'm not too old to trick or treat. But apparently when you get to like be high school, you're not supposed to trick or treat. You're supposed to be like, you know, either like walk your little siblings or whatever. But right. I was always a convict. I wore uh, like a white jumpsuit with stripes and I would wear a ski mask and I would carry around like a club. So it really was like a mix of like a criminal slash convict. And it rubbed off on me because I was the one by the time I got to, I think this is probably why my mom stopped letting me trick or treat was by the time I was like 14 or 15, I wasn't even trick or treating. I would just like knock on doors and like silly string people in the face and stuff like that. <laughs> So she'd be like, you're not going out because you're just going to get in trouble. But now I remember I always was a convict because it took me like two minutes to put on the costume or a ski mask, you know, would run around with like some sort of fake weapon. And yeah, but that was my favorite. That's what I always wanted to be. I don't know why. Interesting. 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 Yeah, you'd fit in. uh, You fit in well with that convict costume in a few cities around America right now. Yep. How about you? Um. Man, I don't know if I really had like a favorite one, but I have two memorable ones that I did. Um, one year, I like I was big in the wrestling, and I bought that like mask that just looks like a, a person's face. I got a Stone Cold Steve Austin one, and I had a Stone Cold T-shirt on, so I would just go around like I was Stone Cold. But like those like rubber masks, like it was so hard to breathe in. Like you had to like pull it off like half the time. But I remember doing that. I thought that was cool. And then one that I kind of did um, when I was a, a little older, probably in high school or maybe just out of high school, I went to uh, to Dick's and I bought uh, a skull cap. I bought one of the quarterback wristband things, and I ordered um, a Willie Beeman jersey off of uh, off of eBay. So I have uh, I was Willie Beeman one year. That was that was one of my favorites. There you go. Hell yeah, love, love being Willie Beeman. Is that is that your favorite? I mean, we could do another whole like favorite movie character. But uh, I wouldn't say my favorite movie character, but favorite sports movie that's is, is easily any given Sunday. 
And I have you. I've I've asked you this, and you never answered me. Have you even seen that damn movie yet? I've never watched the whole thing in in like in succession. I've seen it on, but no, I've never watched the whole thing. But everyone oh knows. God. I mean, that's where you get Miami Sharks from. So yeah, I'm. I have. Um, I have the Blu-ray and I have a DVD. I might just send you the damn DVD and you can have it and you better watch the damn thing and enjoy this damn movie. All right. I got gotcha. you. I'll watch it all the way through just as a tribute to America's game. Yes. Cause that is the best, the best sports movie for me personally. Um, there's a couple that are close. Like I love Moneyball and a couple other sports movies, but yeah, any given Sunday is easily my favorite. Good stuff. Yep, good stuff. Um, yeah, so that's it for episode number 16. We're getting ready to uh, have Baltimore and Tampa Bay play here. We're recording this here on Thursday night, so hopefully that's a good game. Hopefully Lamar Jackson does good for us on our uh, main event team. We need him to do good finally. Um, but, yeah, other than that, man, um, hopefully the injuries stop too. I'm sick of these injuries, so let's, let's hope week eight's a little better. Yeah, I don't think they're going to. It, it's just a game. That, that's just the game. There, there's going to be attrition every week. You just got to deal with it, move yeah. on, and always be thinking of ways to, you know, there's going to be there's going to be teams that just have a rough run of it, and you got to find a way to uh, to deal with as many as you can on those teams that are not completely shot. So, all right. Until next week. Yep. Until next week for sure. You can follow me. Um... You can follow me at Eric Vanek NFL on Twitter, and you can also follow the show at America's Game Pod as well. Uh, reach out to us there if you have any comments or anything like that. We always love hearing some comments. We'll bring them up here on the show as well. Um, and then, Scott, uh, what do you got coming up this week on Destination uh, Dynasty? Yeah, we'll uh... – We'll see. I'll surprise everybody. Kind of got a little bit of a mishmash show that's going to be coming up this week. But uh, yeah, check that out on the Destination Debbie feed uh, every Monday morning. And then always on Twitter at uh, Charles Chill FFB. And then check out Dynasty Trades in 5 on YouTube. And if you like uh, the content there, we do live streams and trade shows and stuff like that. So yeah. yeah. No, that's a good one to uh, check out if you guys haven't checked out the uh, Dynasty uh, Trades in 5 one. I mean, it's Shane, it's uh, Clay, and it's Scott on there. And those guys just go over trade after trade after trade that people submit. And you get really good info from that. You get ideas to try in your league. So if you ever got a spare um, hour to join them live, that's cool. You can ask your questions live there or go back and watch them on YouTube. They're great content um, to get some more ideas from trades, kind of like that, what me and Scott did here tonight. So, For sure. Appreciate it. Yep. yep, no problem. All right, guys. We will see you next week. Um,